quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near.
yes, I am the God who fights for you. And I've never lost a battle. I fight for you so that you can be right. I have fought and I have won and I have given you the victory. I am elevating you. I am raising you up to the winner's circle. Hallelujah. Someone say praise the Lord. Glory to God. Amen, amen. Are you guys ready? All right, if you can, you may have your seats. Praise the Lord. And I just want to have uh, Cal come up if you want to just greet the people and say hello. This might need a uh, this might need a battery. Because there's no light coming on. Here, Nelson, take that back. I need a battery for that. Well, you can do it without a microphone, I guess. Well, this man is special, not just because he's my brother-in-law and married to my sister, but he's a man of God. I've learned many things from him. I have, I've had the privilege of watching his life and listening to him, and uh, he's going to be speaking tomorrow. But I just wanted him uh, to come and say hello. And uh, it's fun to always see men who are willing to come out and to be available and to listen and to really be available to the Holy Spirit and to be available to be used by God to make a difference by being in this world. And I, I'm persuaded that uh, this generation is particularly fortunate to be living in a time when although the darkness becomes darker and we see that encroaching, but then the light becomes brighter. And so he says in Isaiah 61, to arise and shine. He's speaking to the church. For your light has come and, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon us. Do you feel like that? Do you feel like the glory of the Lord has risen upon you? Yes. Yeah, uh, I, I hope that's how we feel because when he came to dwell in us, it was in order that through us he might be made known to the world. And so we, we talk about in, in the world of mission that I live in, <laughs> that there is a, a blessing that comes from God to us in salvation, which is rich and free and glorious and wonderful and transforming. And, and it was in the minds of many uh, in order to get us to heaven, you see, get us out of this dark, old, nasty world and uh, some kind of uh, anticipation we have of something much different in heaven. Yet the whole purpose in God bringing you and me into the kingdom wasn't just to get us to heaven as, as wonderful as that is. It was in order that we might be God's representatives to those who live around us. And as much as we've received, we get to pass it on. And it's at this point I feel that the church needs a, a little bit more encouragement. That we need to do a better job in passing on what we've received. So 
This is the job. If you're a man, pick it up and take it, man. Because it's our job to do this, to represent Jesus well in our communities, in our business, in our job, at school, wherever it is that we might be. Because, you know, the, the sad story is that something like 93% of people in the world, in the Christian world today, have never had the joy of leading another person to Christ. Uh, this is, uh, in some ways, an indictment on the church because he gave us everything and we've consumed the gospel in that sense upon ourselves instead of giving it away. So the top-line blessing is you got saved. The bottom-line blessing might be what? To give the blessing to someone else, to bring salvation to somebody else's life. So, men, that's your job. Uh, we're to be leaders in our homes, leaders in our businesses, leaders in our communities, wherever we are, and doing the bidding of the Master. He came to save and to seek those that were lost. This he gave uh, on to us that we might represent him well in our communities. So God bless you heaps. Yeah. Amen. We we'll look forward to spending some more time with you and, and talking about some great things that God is doing. But uh, I think more to, to the fact what he wants to do in our lives as men. Uh, there, are, there are certain hindrances that keep us from uh, fulfilling all the purposes of God in our lives. And I want to address one or two of those when we get a chance to share. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you know, Cal has a book. It's called Adventures to Saying Yes to God. And uh, it's his life story. He grew up on a farm in New Zealand. That's why he has a funny accent. <laughs> and uh, God took him to the world. And he's lived in many nations, many places. And um, he is uh, out there on the front lines. Glory to God. Well, has it been good so far? Yes. Food good? Be sure to shake someone's hand that you don't know. Introduce yourself. Amen. And uh, show yourself friendly. I um, want to give you a, an opportunity tonight to sow into this. You know, God works on seed time and harvest. Everybody say seed, seed. Time, time, and harvest. And harvest. You plant a seed, give it some time, and you'll reap a harvest. Amen. That's how the kingdom of God works. And uh, you have an opportunity tonight to give. And you, you can give any time during this service. And if you didn't come prepared to give, you can also give online. On our website, vcfpa.org. I want to just encourage you, you know, giving is an act of worship. Psalm 96, verse 8, talked about coming before the Lord, worshiping in the beauty of his holiness and bringing an offering. Amen? So giving is an act of worship. When we give, we're worshiping to God. Who's the greatest giver of all? God. For God so loved the world that he what? And not only did he give us salvation, but he gave us this earth. Right? So it is God's nature to give. 
And uh, whenever we have an opportunity to give, you're investing in the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God has no shortages. It has, uh, you're going to get the best return investing in the kingdom of God. Giving is a God thing, right? God would never ask you to do anything that he didn't do himself. And uh, he gave, and so he, he desires for us to give too. Giving is how increase occurs in the body of Christ. If you want to increase, every increase in our life comes from a seed, right? You sow your seed of time into your job, and what do you get? A paycheck, right? What if you didn't sow any seed of time? You wouldn't get much, would you? So giving is the way uh, to increase in the body of Christ. Giving is a divine principle. Everybody say divine principle. Giving opens heaven's windows for you, right? God wants to open some heaven, some windows for you. And, and when you give, your seed never, it doesn't leave your life, but it goes into your future. And uh, giving produces an abundant harvest, you know, if you give, God will give back to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. He'll cause men to give into your bosom. And um, God celebrates your giving, and he gives you a great return. Would it make you nervous if Jesus watched as you put something in the offering? That He did that one time in the synagogue. Jesus is watching. <laughs> So you can give tonight if you make a check, make it out to VCF. If you want to pay by a card, you can do that through our bookstore. Uh, you see these wooden containers here on the side? You can give any time during the service. Even while I'm preaching, you can give if you're inspired to. Amen? So uh, you can give cash. There's envelopes there. And if you're watching online, you can give through our website as well. Father, I just call a blessing on all of these men tonight, Father. They're the givers and their gifts, Lord. I give you thanks and praise that you will cause an abundant return to come to them. Your provision will overtake them. Your protection will be around them. And your prosperity will be all over them. In Jesus' name, and if you agree with that, say amen. amen. All right, you can do that anytime during the service. All right, you know, uh, which group in the Bible had the best business plan? Any ideas? The prophets. Prophets. <laughs> you know, in, in the Bible, who knew the most people? Well, who do you think knew the most people? I don't know who knew the most, but Abraham knew a lot. I'm just getting you ready for the medicine, right? What, two, what types of boats do believers want to go in? What type of boats do believers want to go in? Discipleship and worship. Two ships. Does God love everyone? 
Yes, he does, but he prefers spiritual fruit over religious nuts. And what book of the major prophets is the easiest to understand? Ezekiel. That's the easiest. All right. I'll move on. (laughs) Hallelujah. Tonight, I want to encourage you to be a world changer. Now, you might be thinking, the world is a big place. How can I change the world. Did you know that God has given us something that we can use to change the world? It's called the gospel. Did you know the gospel can change the world? Amen. It changed me. Hallelujah. And the gospel is the message of Jesus Christ that can change the world. There is one true name that overcomes the world. What's that name? Jesus. Right? There's no name greater in the world. There is one thing that changes circumstances, and that's the good news of God's kingdom. Right? You ever have a circumstance changed by good news? I have many times, time and time again, right? There's one power that overrides the power of darkness, and that's Holy Ghost power. There's uh, one right way of living. That's the way of holiness, which gives, comes to us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage you in the gospel tonight. You know, uh, Jared Wilson said this, we're called to be world changers, not world chasers. Say, I'm called to be a world changer. You are. Every one of us in this room, God has anointed and appointed to change the world. You know what? You can change the world by changing a small part of it. You may not go to every nation, but you can start changing the world right where you are by living for Jesus. Right? Ronald Reagan said this. When within the covers of the Bible are all the answers for all the problems men face. Ronald Reagan Hallelujah. Billy Graham said this, We are the Bibles the world is reading. We are the creeds the world is needing. And we are the sermons the world is heeding. We are the sermons. And Andrew Murray said this, Every Christian, or no, uh, Charles Spurgeon said that, Every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. <laughs> thought that was pretty good. Who's the first missionary ever? Jesus, right? He left heaven and came to earth. And uh, Andrew Murray said, the world asks, what does a man own? Christ asks, how does he use it? 
encourage you tonight to be a world changer. You may not think that you can change the world, but you can. You know, God told a man named Abraham that through him, all the families of the earth will be blessed. That's a big order. All the families of the earth were blessed by one man. Why? Because through his line came a savior. Through his line came a Messiah. Through his line, through his lineage. What did Abraham do? He believed God and had a son. And he changed the world. Believing God and having a son. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? God told this to Abraham in Genesis 17:4. He says, "As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and as a result, you shall be the father of many nations." Everybody say many nations. nations. How'd you like to be the father of many nations? You know, it just starts with one, right? Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob and Esau. Jacob had twelve sons. They became the nation of Israel. Just changed the world, didn't he? See, changing the world is not as hard as you think. In Genesis twenty-five, twenty-three, the Bible talked about Rebekah, and the Lord said to her, The founders of two nations are in your womb. She was carrying two nations on the inside of her, Jacob and Esau. You, you think you could carry a nation? Well, we certainly can't carry it in our womb, man, can we? We're not, we're not made for that, right? In Exodus 34, 24, it says, I will drive out and dispossess nations before you and enlarge your borders. God will drive out and dispossess nations before you and enlarge your borders. Could you use some border expansion tonight? How about if we just expand our thinking? Can we expand our thinking? Amen? Let's think bigger. In Joshua 23, verse 3, the Bible says, You have seen all that the Lord has done. Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake for the Lord your God he is he, he has been fighting for you we sang about that tonight God is fighting for you what's he fighting for he's fighting for you to win what's he fighting against kingdom of darkness right no Jesus already defeated him he already won all we got to do is walk in the victory Amen? Let's enforce the devil's defeat. Right? How do we do that? We just live the gospel. Psalm 2.8. Psalm 2.8. It says, ask of me and I will give you the nations. Have you ever asked God for a nation? He said he would give you the nations. For your inheritance, right? And the ends of the earth for your possession. Sounds to me like the Bible is full of people who are world changers. Just like you and I. 
These weren't different from us. They experienced hardship and trials and troubles. These are just the hors d'oeuvres, by the way. I'm getting to the main course in a little bit. Are you guys here or have you gone home? All right. You know, the more you participate, the quicker I finish. No, just kidding. (laughs) George Burns said, there's a fine line between a good sermon and a hostage situation. All right. Psalm 22, verse 28. The kingship and kingdom are the Lord's. He rules over nations. If you're in the family of the one who rules the nation, then you can be a world changer. Amen? The Lord rules the nations. Well, how come the nations are doing what they're doing? Because we're not enforcing the devil's defeat. Psalm 102, verse 15. Psalm 102, verse 15. So the nations will fear the name of the Lord, and all the kings of the earth will recognize your glory. How many kings of what? All the earth. Right? Luke 24, 47. Luke 24, 47. Repentance for forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all the nations. Why would God send a message to the nations if it wouldn't change the nation? Hmm? Would God send something to the nations that wouldn't change a nation? No. All right. Romans... 1525, Romans 1525, now to him who is able, is our God able, to establish and strengthen you in the faith, your your faith is going to be strengthened tonight, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which has been kept secret for long uh, ages past, but now has been disclosed and through the prophetic scriptures has been made known to the nations. You know, some nations have dead bones in it. We just need some people to prophesy to those dead bones. Will bones listen to you? Yes, Yes, they will. They listen to Ezekiel. Right? 1 Timothy 3.16 1 Timothy 3.16. Great, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He, Christ Jesus, who was revealed in human flesh, was justified, vindicated in the spirit, seen by the angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world. Those are world-changing scriptures. And guess what? God has given us the victory that overcomes the world. What's the victory that overcomes the world? Our faith. Say, I'm faith man. Say, say, go, I'm faith man. You got to make the muscles. Come on. Say, what are you saying? You can say, I'm faith man. Come on. Yeah. All right. 
And then one more, Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8. You will, see, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. What are you going to get when the Holy Spirit comes on you? Power. You will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We can witness to the world, and that will change the world. Amen? All right. Are you guys ready to get into this? In Mark 16, 15, we have a mandate and a a mission and a message. It's called the gospel. He said, go into where? All the world and what? Preach the gospel to who? To every creature, right? How do you preach the gospel? You can say words. You can sing songs. You can do actions. You can, there's all kinds of ways to preach. You can pass out tracts. There's all kinds of ways to preach the gospel, but we got to go into all the world. Why? Because we're equipped with world-changing material, world-changing power world-changing good news could the world use some good news could the world use some love could the world use some light absolutely who's going to give it to them you and i are why because we're world changers we're world changers amen you are mighty men of god and you have been called by god to change the world But see, when, when the gospel gets a hold of you, you're going to be changed. And once you're changed, then you can pass that change on to others. Look at your neighbor and say, pass it on. Pass it on. Amen? So we're supposed to take this message into all the world. We're supposed to spread it around the world. You know what? I like jelly on my toast, but I like the jelly to cover every piece of the toast. Right? I like it spread from corner to corner, from north, south, east, and west. I want that piece of bread covered. God wants the world covered with the gospel. Amen? Share it with your neighbors. Share it with your coworkers. Share it with your family. You know, and who was the first person that Andrew shared the gospel with? His brother Peter. We've, we've come, Peter, we've seen the Messiah. First person he shared with. Amen? There are people that you're in contact with every day. Are we sharing the good news? The gospel, the life-changing, world-changing message of Jesus? Amen? Hallelujah. What is the gospel? Well, we know it's good news. Everybody say good news. Good news. Not bad news, it's good. So when you're sharing the gospel, put a smile on your face. Right? It's the good news of Jesus. It's the glad tidings of his kingdom. There's nothing depressing about the gospel. Listen, (laughs) we don't need Eeyores to share the gospel. How many know Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh? Oh, oh, you want to know Jesus? No, the gospel is life. 
The gospel is good news. It's fun. It's life-giving. Can you imagine the angels going to the shepherds? Well, dudes, we got some heavy message for you, right? The shepherds are out watching their sheep, and, and the angels appear to them uh, in the wilderness, you know, and they say, guys, we want you to sh- go share some bad news, right? Is that what they said? No, it was such good news that they broke out into a concert in the sky. Good news of what? Great joy. Everybody say great joy. Great joy. Good news, great joy. Amen? That's going to change the world. Hallelujah. It's about the life ministry of Jesus. That's what the gospel is. What do we do with the gospel? You got to hear it. And you got to receive it. Amen? If you want the gospel to affect you, you've got to receive it. The gospel is a gift. It can either be received or rejected. Okay? You've got to believe it. Why should you believe it? It's true. It happened just as Jesus said it happened. It is the absolute truth. It's forever settled in heaven. Doesn't need a ch- it doesn't need a touch-up. You don't have to replace the pages. Unless your Bible's falling apart, but right? So the gospel, you gotta hear it, receive it, believe it, you gotta live it. It's time that we just start living the gospel. Amen? Did you know that the Bible's the most practical book in the world? It was designed to do. You could actually take what was written and actually put it in your life. Did you know that the key to Joshua's success was to observe to do everything that was written in God's law? Right? Didn't he say that? Joshua 1.8. All right? And you got to proclaim it and you got to share it and spread it. Do we got some gospel spreaders in this room today? Hallelujah. The gospel changes hearts, it changes lives, it changes people, it changes cities, and it changes nations. It just has a ripple effect. It's like when you throw a rock into a water. How many's ever thrown a rock into a water? Right? What happens? You get ripples that, that come about. Once that splash occurs, ripples start moving out. Right? The gospel has hit your life. It's time to spread out. Amen? Oh, I'm going to work it tonight. See, I only got one night with you, so I got to give it to you good. (laughs) Jesus came on earth to proclaim it, demonstrate it, and show what the gospel produces. He came to demonstrate it, didn't he? What did he do? Everywhere he taught, he preached, and he healed. He demonstrated it. He raised the dead. Amen? He helped people. That's the product of the gospel. Amen? Hallelujah. It's the incorruptible seed of God to increase his family, his kingdom, and to establish his reign on the earth. The gospel. Everybody say the gospel. Jesus is the main character of the gospel. He is the author of the gospel. And he is the teacher of the gospel. 
He teaches it by words and deeds. And he got people to follow him. And great multitudes would follow Jesus. I mean, he was more popular than a rock star today. Crowds and crowds of people, Jesus ministered to the individual and he ministered to groups. The gospel is good for all occasions. One size fits all and it's guaranteed for life. It'll never wear out. It'll never diminish. It'll never go out of style. The gospel. Amen? And spreading the gospel is the work of a true disciple. Mark chapter 3, verse 14. You can follow along or look on the screen. Mark chapter 3, verse 14. Jesus appointed 12 so that they would be with him for instruction, and so he could send them out to preach the gospel as apostles, special messengers, personally chosen representatives to have authority and power over demons. You have demon-busting power. You can walk into a place, and if a demon is there, you can throw that demon out. That's what we can do as men of God, as believers in Christ Jesus, as Christians. Amen? Come on, we got to get excited in here, guys. I might have you just jump up and down around, get some movement, right? Every contact with the gospel is exposure to God's love, God's power, God's goodness, God's grace, forgiveness, help, and hope. Every time that you're exposed to the gospel, every time that you hear the the gospel, every time you see the gospel, you're exposed to God's love, his goodness, his help, his power. What comes by hearing the gospel? Faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. Faith can get you anything that you need, want, and desire from God. Amen? Faith moves mountains. Faith kills giants. Faith walks on water. Faith raises dead people. Faith talks to trees. Faith stops storms. Faith changes things. You can change things. You can change this world by faith. Right? The gospel saves you from hell. You don't have to go to hell because of the gospel. Aren't you? How many are glad? I'm glad I'm not going to hell. I remember a gospel preacher, Evie Hill. He said, why did you want to get saved? He said, I didn't want to go to hell. He said, I didn't want to go to hell. Amen? People don't have to go to hell. They can hear the gospel and receive it, believe it, and have it, and avoid hell. The gospel is your ticket out of hell. Glory to God. The gospel reveals who created you. The gospel is our family tree. Tells us where we came from, where we're going, and what we should do in between. Right? The gospel brings freedom. 
and it heals all kinds of sickness and disease. If you're sick tonight, you can be healed. If you're depressed tonight, you can have an increase of joy. If you need direction tonight, the gospel is a light to your is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. The gospel is God's word. It's God's love letter to you. The gospel brings peace and joy to all the earth. Hallelujah. The gospel is medicine, life, and strength to the sick. Go to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. How many world changers are here tonight? You may have never seen yourself as a world changer, but God's changing your image tonight. You're a champion. You're a victor. You're more than a conqueror, right? You are accepted in the beloved. How many have been accepted, right? How many people are in the world are looking for acceptance, but they just can't find it because they're looking in the wrong place? If you're looking for satisfaction, don't look where Mick Jagger looked. He didn't find it. Right? He's still looking for it. We could, we could show him how to be satisfied. Change the words. I can't get no satisfaction. Say, I found my satisfaction. Amen? Proverbs chapter 4, verse 22. For they, what is they? God's word, which is the gospel. They are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Say the gospel is health to all my flesh. And that word health is, is the word medicine. Have you take listen, if you're sick, take two gospels and call me in the morning. Right? Jesus went about opening blind eyes, causing lame people to walk. Cleansing lepers, causing the deaf to hear, and the poor having good news to them. What's good news if you're poor? Exactly. You don't have to be poor anymore. How many don't want to be poor anymore? Amen? All right. Are you with me so far? So the gospel has power to overcome natural limitations, restrictions, and hindrances. Hallelujah. The gospel gives hope to the hopeless. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And look at verse 5. I'm not going to be too long tonight. I'm not going to be like Paul and preach all night until someone falls asleep and falls dead out of the third story window. (laughs) And then they had to raise him from the dead. But you talk about an illustration for the gospel. Let me tell you. Yeah, Paul, the Bible says he preached long and the guy fell asleep. He fell out of a third story window and hit the ground. If your neighbor's sleeping, say, wake up, wake up. Just kidding. Colossians chapter 1, 
See, I'm talking and I'm not turning. Look at verse 5. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. If for any reason you have lost hope, you can find hope in the gospel. The gospel produces hope. Amen? The gospel is light in darkness. It leads you on the right path. You know, I'm so glad that the gospel can correct my direction when I'm heading the wrong way. How many want to be corrected if you're heading the wrong way? Right? You know, I know sometimes men are labeled as people that don't want to stop and ask for directions. I don't know if you're that person, you know, but you just keep driving, turning around, turning around, turning around, you know, stop and ask for directions. Just say, God, am I going in the right direction? You know, God laid out a direction for my life. There was a time in my life when I was living in Illinois, a single man, and I was seeking God. And I, I would tell God, I'd say, God, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And whatever you want me to be, I'll be. And you know, when I prayed that prayer and when I sought God, guess what happened? God directed me. He told me a step to take. He pointed me in the right direction. Now, by faith, I had to take that direction. You know, you can, you can not take God's direction, but that's not going to do good for you. Right? I took God's direction. And he, he led me there, and he led me here, and he led me there. If I, if I wouldn't have listened there, I wouldn't be here tonight. But I'm so thankful that God directed me. The gospel is life and death. When you receive the gospel, what do you get? What, what kind of life do you get? You get abundant life. You get everlasting life. You get a good life. Amen. You get all kinds of life when you receive the gospel. Glory to God. The gospel is love in rejection, imperfection, and mistakes. How many of us are perfect? Good. I don't see any hands. That's good. Otherwise, we'd have to pray. Cast the lying devil out of you. Right? No, actually, perfect in the Bible means mature. But we have strengths, right? And we have weaknesses, don't we? And sometimes our weaknesses are in the forefront, and sometimes our strengths are in the forefront. But God can help you. He helps you minimize your weaknesses and make strong your strengths. Right? So the gospel... It does this. It's love and rejection and perfection and weakness. How many has ever made a mistake? Oh, my goodness. The gospel over, helps you overcome mistakes. Why? We can receive forgiveness. We can receive mercy. We can receive help and compassion and loving kindness from our God. When we mess up, God knew that we were going to mess up. Why do you think he put repentance in his plan? 
Hmm? He put a U-turn and a mulligan in his plan. Right? It's called repentance. What does that mean? You're going one way. It's the wrong way. You're experiencing uh, uh, bad things, so you turn around. You change your heart. You change your mind. You change your direction, and you go the other way. Right? God allows us to repent. I know that I'm not, there, a lot of places don't talk about repentance. We do. The Bible says, unless you repent, you will surely perish. Well, I don't want to perish. So what's the alternative? Repent. Right? You know, if you, if you need something to repent to God tonight, do it. Don't leave this place unrepentant. Don't leave, your, don't leave this place tonight with baggage. You don't need excess baggage. Let's check it in tonight. You're not going to be needing that baggage with you. You don't need to carry it anymore. Tonight is the baggage check-in night. If you came in here tonight with baggage, you know what baggage is, right? The Bible says to lay aside every weight and sin that is so easy to beset you and run the race with patience or endurance that God has put you on. And you can't run your race with the excess baggage. You've got to lay the baggage aside. So tonight, if you've got some baggage to lay aside, lay it aside tonight. Listen, guys, we're men, right? We don't, we don't need to put on any masks here. We just need to be who we are, right? We need to just be honest and open, amen? If you don't repent, worse things happen. But if you do repent, good things happen. When Saul was confronted of his sin, he did not repent. He lost his anointing. When David was confronted about his sin, he repented and he became a man after God's own heart. So if you got something to, to get, get, get rid of tonight, let's get rid of it tonight. Look at your neighbor and say, get rid of it. Hallelujah. Go to Romans 1.16. The gospel is a path to forgiveness to avoid punishment. Romans 1.16. How are we going to change the world? We're going to change it with the gospel. Romans 1.16. The gospel is a source of power to live triumphantly, and it has no shame in it. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You know, Paul experienced this. What was Paul before he met Jesus? He was a persecutor. He was a Christian terrorist. He would go into people's homes and he would, he would arrest them. He would take them captive and he would put them in jail simply because they believed in Jesus. Yet Paul, this persecutor, while he was going to persecute people, he met Jesus. Aren't you glad that Jesus can interrupt you at the most important 
parts of your life, when you're going to do something bad, God shows up. He interrupts. He's, he's in your path. He's like, where are you going? Uh, nowhere. Nothing to see here. Right? Paul was going to persecute people in Damascus. He had letters from the church that gave him the authority to do it. And the author of the gospel showed up on the path and he intercepted Paul. And Paul dropped to his knees. There was a big light shone round about him. He heard a voice and Paul said, oh Lord, (laughs) you know, Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? You talk about a dose of reality, right? Jesus knows how to get to the heart of the matter. And he called Paul exactly on what he was doing. Why are you persecuting me? Did Paul think he was persecuting Jesus? No, he thought he was representing Jesus. He thought he was doing the right thing. He was convinced that he was doing the right thing. But he was doing the wrong thing. Have you ever been doing the wrong thing, convinced you're doing the right thing? Until Jesus interrupts you on your path? I got something to tell you guys. You made a path tonight to Victory Christian Fellowship, to an everyday hero men's conference, and Jesus is on this path right now. And he's looking at you. He wants you to align with him. And he gives you opportunities to... Get things right. Okay? And, uh, you know, Paul even said he was a persecutor. He said he was the least of all saints. Let me just read to you something that Paul did in his own words. Now, you have to understand, he's now saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. How did he get to that point? How did he get to the point where he wasn't ashamed of the gospel before he was trying to stop the gospel? You talk about a change. Amen? Look at Galatians 1.13. Galatians 1.13. Let me just give you this quickly. It says, You have heard of my career and former manner of life in Judaism. How I... Now, this is the Amplified. How I used to hunt down and persecute the church of God extensively. And with fanatical zeal, tried my best to destroy it. And you have heard how I surpassed many of my contemporaries among my countrymen. You know, he would have been, uh, he would have been a doctor of the law. He would have been the Pharisee of Pharisees, the top dog, right? He said, I was extremely loyal to the traditions of my ancestors. Traditions make the word of God ineffective. Traditions aren't going to loose the bonds that have gripped you, but the gospel will. But when, this is verse 15, but when God... Oh my goodness, we got to get this, but when God, say God, it's time for you to butt in. Yeah, 
But when God, who had chosen me and set me apart before I was born, he's about to have a meeting with the creator, right? He called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach among the Gentiles. God is pleased to reveal his son in you tonight. As the good news, the way of salvation, I did not immediately consult with anyone for guidance regarding God's call and his revelation to me, nor did I even go up to Jerusalem. You know, it only took three days for Paul to make up his mind whether or not he was going to follow God. He was blind for three days. What else are you going to do but pray? Right? And, you know, Paul entered the ministry knowing that he was going to suffer for Jesus. God actually showed him ahead of time what he was going to suffer, and he still said yes. And while Paul was following Jesus, he was being suffered, beaten, with whips, with rods, with fists. He was criticized. He was imprisoned. But he didn't stop following Jesus. He didn't stop preaching the gospel. He was so passionate about the message that nothing was going to stop him. You've got to be so passionate about the message that nothing is going to stop you from following Jesus. No matter how hard it gets or how hard it seems or how long the journey is, don't stop following Jesus. Paul followed Jesus knowing he was going to suffer persecution. He followed Jesus while he was being persecuted. How many of you have ever had a hit squad say, we're not going to eat until you're dead? Huh? You think you had a bad day at work. You don't got a hit squad fasting until you're dead. A group of Jews did that to Paul. And everywhere that he went, they showed up motivated by a demonic spirit. And they would stir up the crowds against Paul. He didn't stop preaching the gospel. He didn't stop planting churches. He didn't stop serving the Lord. He said, don't even let these chains stop you from the gospel. While he was chained, he preached the gospel. Come on, somebody. We complain when the environment isn't quite right. It's too hot. It's too cold. It's too wet. What kind of Christian are you, a seasonal Christian? No, we ought to be good for every season, right? Come on, somebody. So the, the, the man who's writing this, he's saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? It is the power of God. Paul experienced the power of God. What did that power do? That power made him a new man. That power gave him his true destiny. That power revealed his true identity. He encountered the power of God. It was undeniable. Even the people with him. What did they, they saw the light or heard the voice? I forget what it is. Doesn't matter. He was changed. And he took the change that he experienced. And he began sharing it here. And sharing it there. And sharing it over here. He went on three main missionary journeys. He went to places where the gospel was never preached before. I remember one time uh, reading in Cal's book. He was on this road coming to a mountain village that had never heard the gospel before. 
And while they were traveling, he saw this man with a bow and arrow. And it was pointed at him because he was in the lead. I want to take out the head guy, right? This man has been to places that never heard the gospel before, and he got to share the gospel. Amen? What are you going to do tonight to let the gospel change you? Amen? It can't just be church as usual anymore. We got to get some radical men. We got to get some men who are going to press into God, who are going to worship God, who are going to call on God, who are going to pray to God, who are going to get God's vision and direction for their lives, for their families, for their careers. Why? God wants you to change the world. God wants you to change the world. Say, God wants me to change the world. It doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. I always say this. John the Baptist was in the womb. He was younger than us all. And Moses really got started when he was 80. So say it's not too late. Just get started right now. Amen? Tomorrow when you wake up, make a decision, I'm going to be a new man tomorrow. I'm going to be a different man tomorrow. Amen? God will make you into a different man. I used to be shy. Look at me now. Literally, I used to be shy. Something happened. I've been changed. Hallelujah. So the guy who wrote, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, there was a time when he was ashamed of it because he wanted to destroy it. But then he, he realized it was the power of God to salvation. The gospel brought crowds together. Oh, check this out. The gospel made uneducated and untrained fishermen confident, bold preachers and miracle workers. How can God take a fisherman and make him a miracle worker? Oh, the gospel can do it. Amen? Even the Pharisees in in Acts 4 said these are unlearned, uneducated men, but yet they've been with Jesus and they were bold. How many want to do a miracle? All right? Then follow the gospel. And, and the gospel will transform you into a miracle worker. Amen? The gospel employed angels as jailbreakers. Right? There were some angels that broke some people out of jail. Come on, Peter, wake up. He was in the jail. And the I mean, the angel had to prod him in the side. You know, how can someone sleep when they're chained in the prison to a, a soldier? You, when the gospel is in your heart, you can sleep anywhere, anytime, anyplace. Amen. And the angel said, come on, get up. And Peter, he thought he was dreaming until he got out. He's like, what just happened? Right. Glory to God. All right. The gospel convicted men's hearts and caused them to change their ways. Acts, day of Pentecost. Peter didn't even have an altar call. They were touched in their heart and they said, what must we do to be saved? 
He didn't even have to say, all right, if you, if you feel like accepting Jesus. Right? He was just preaching, and they said, what must we do to be saved? There was such power, such conviction of the message. The Holy Spirit was breathing fire on their hearts. And they ran to Jesus. 3,000 people in one day, one moment, one encounter because of the gospel. The gospel. The gospel opened the door for Gentiles to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Religion will baptize you in lemon juice, but believers get baptized in the Holy Ghost. We got too many religious people baptized in lemon juice. We need some believers who are actually baptized in the Holy Ghost. Talk in tongues. That's what we do. We talk in tongues. The gospel makes God known to the world and changes the world. Amen? All right. I'm done. Hallelujah. So, man, I know that you came out on a Friday night. And I know you had some good food. There's some good guys here. If you, if you don't know them all, you should get to know them. You're a good group of guys. Amen? But I'm here to help you with what you need tonight. The Lord meets your needs according to his riches and glory. He is your shepherd. You shall not want and if you delight yourself in him, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Nevin, do you want to play some uh, music? That'd be great. You can do your keyboard or the piano, whichever you feel comfortable with. Hallelujah. This is where the rubber meets the road. Amen. I've been telling you all the things that we could do to change the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It changes you. It changes cities, it changes families, it changes destinies. Amen? The gospel is God's greatest gift to the world. He gave it to us. And he equipped us to give it to others. Amen? So I know, guys, I'm not going to ask you what you're going through. I'm not going to ask you what you need. But I know that you came here tonight. There's got to be some needs in this place. And God wants to touch you. God wants to help you. God wants to minister to you. Amen? So, so that you can be even better equipped to spread the gospel to all the world. If you need a touch in your body, he's here to touch you tonight. If you need to be touched in your mind, he's here to touch your mind. You can have the mind of Christ. He's here to help you overcome weakness. Let the weak say, I'm what? Strong. You can be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Amen? If you're here tonight, I want you to be honest. This is not the time to hide. Let's just be honest. Hey, I'm struggling. Hey, I need help. Hey, I need prayer. Amen? If that's you tonight, would you say... Pastor Doug, I want you to pray for me. I want the Holy Spirit to help me. I need help in my life. I'm not going to ask you what you need help with. He knows. But 
I'm just, I just want to minister to you tonight. I want to lay my hands on you and agree with you in prayer. If you need prayer tonight, who would say, Pastor Doug, I need some prayer tonight? I want you to make your way up right here, right now. God's power is here. God's goodness is here. God's grace is here. I want you to know, guys, he loves each and every one of you. And you didn't just come here by coincidence tonight. You came here by design tonight. Hallelujah. Are you here to receive something tonight? You're going to receive tonight.